0: Hey there everyone, welcome to Confluence and Connections Podcast brought to you by Elevation Outdoors. My name's Ryan Michelle Scavo, but you might know me as Ryan Outside. Join me on this podcast as I talk to outdoor industry professionals, small business owners, athletes, up-and-comers, passionate adventurers, and a little bit of everything in between. On this episode, we're hanging out with Aaron Parisi. She's a mammoth athlete and presenter at this year's Lady Alliance Adventure Film Tour. She's also an incredible athlete, transgender woman, and founder of Transcending 7. We're going to talk all about what that organization is and some of her next big adventures. Check it out. Awesome. All right, we are recording. Cool. All right, everybody. This is Ryan uh, for Elevation Outdoors Confluence Connections Podcast, and I get to hang out with Aaron today. Aaron, if you would do us all um, the honor of introducing yourself and let us know who you are.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, I am a local Colorado person, Um, I'm a lover of the mountains, I'm a mountain biker, um, a casual Craig climber, and also attempting to become, um, add my name to the list of people who climb the seven summits. Um, If I was able to, I might become the first trans person to climb Mount Everest, and also the first trans person to finish the seven summits.
0: That's amazing, absolutely amazing. And um, for those who don't know, can you name off those seven summits for us?
1: Well, there's a little debate on one of them, but I can name them all off. Um, the first one is either Oceania or Australia, de- depending on what you define as a continent. If it's Australia, it would be Mount Kosciuszko. And if you say it's all of an, um, Oceania, then it's Jaya, uh, which is a mountain in New Guinea. The second one, sorry, I'm not even going to go in terms of height because I think I could do it, but it's going to slow things down. Um, <laughs> Mark- <laughs> and and want- tell us,
0: I'm totally going <laughs> to interrupt you, and tell us if you've already summited them.
1: All right. Perfect. Well, I climbed Mount Kosciuszko. I've climbed um, Kilimanjaro, which is Africa's tallest peak. I've climbed twice. The third one is Mount Elbrus for Europe. Uh, I've climbed that as well. Aconcagua in South America, Argentina. Um, I've climbed that as well. And right now we're working on the final three, which is um, Denali here in North America, um, Mount Everest in Asia, and Vincent Massif in Antarctica.
0: Oh my goodness. What got you into climbing? I
1: started um, as a skier and then I kind of went to mountain biking and then I moved to Colorado and I started just doing bigger mountain stuff. So it's really been just kind of a progression. And, you know, as I've gotten more from the outdoors, I've put myself into the outdoors more.
0: How do you get to a point where you're you're like, I'm I'm gonna summit these and I'm gonna be the first transgender person to do this. So and with that, you're transcending seven, um, your nonprofit. What came first, your nonprofit or your desire to do these, these huge mountains? Um, and and what does your nonprofit have to do with those amazing uh trips you're taking?
1: Yeah, for sure. So it's it's a little bit of um I never thought in my whole life that I could be both trans and adventurous. You know, I thought that those two things were pretty much mutually exclusive. All the trans narratives—I knew I was had a—you know—was going to have to confront um, my gender identity and, um, you know, kind of the way that I was manifesting. At some point in my life, from a very young age, so very young, I realized I had gender dysphoria. But um, I think what stopped me from from ultimately manifesting for decades was that the world's narrative for trans people, you know, pretty much either ends alone in the streets somewhere, or you know, with an early death. And those narratives didn't fit how I felt as a person, so I didn't. I ultimately denied myself a chance to transition. So when I did transition, I did very much feel like I was going to sacrifice most of the things I loved in life in order to be myself. And ultimately that wasn't true. So I went out to kind of reclaim my space and adventure and in the world by climbing the highest point on every continent, which would allow me kind of the experience to regrow um, and find that space through those travels and kind of work on myself and, and who I am and, and, you know, kind of, regrow and and find confidence and get my feet under me in the process i think I decided that the message had to be kind of heard by other people. So I took it to a couple of friends and we were talking about it and transcending really isn't my creature. Um, I, I did work on founding it and because there's so much work that goes into founding a nonprofit, but um, basically a, a small board of directors founded transcending. It was three people. And, you know, we worked on kind of bylaws and the mission and and, this, and all of that. And really what we wanted to do was create a mechanism or kind of a, an organization that would amplify positive stories for people that didn't feel like they were being represented to the point where they felt empowered to be involved. So, um, transcending really is about amplifying the stories that allow for others to feel empowered and engage the outdoors and, um, kind of find that joy and movement, um, in the outdoors.
0: Awesome. Is there a specific way that folks engage in this? How, how can they learn more? How can they, how can they be part of it?
1: Yeah. So what we did originally was I had climbed two of the seven summits before I started even talking to other people about the idea that a nonprofit should maybe be in place to, to help amplify these stories and, and and combat the marginalization and stigma that trans people face through kind of taking on the world's narrative. So my mission became the first. You know, the board got together and my mission became the first one that we we kind of committed to. And then we basically every mountain that I've I climb, the board gets together and they vote on it. But what we've done recently, just because there's so much legislation against the trans community and so many kids that are being affected is by being told that they shouldn't be involved in sports or they're not allowed to move their bodies um, or learn to kind of engage the outdoors or live a healthy life. We're trying to find more opportunities where we send kids to summer camps or get kids out of the states where, you know, temporarily out of the states and, and help them find summer camps and affirmative spaces to grow. So I think if there's somebody that you know who's trans or queer and is looking to um, get, get away from maybe an unsupportive or unaffirming Place, um, you know, we want to hear those stories and we want to help those families, I think, with some of the resources we have um, to kind of connect them with summer camps. If there's travel costs or, or cost of admission, we want to really work with, with them to find their place into that opportunity. The other thing that we're doing is we're trying to engage climbing gyms to have queer climbing nights and uh, give out small micro scholarships so that people can go and not feel like they're financially constrained and also have others that are experienced at belaying and teaching and bouldering and kind of some climbing techniques so that people who might be intimidated by that social setting can find, you know, allies and people that look and feel, you know, look like them in the gym. And um, if if finances are a barrier, you know, we try to work on getting um, the gyms to donate shoes, um, you know, a day of rental on the shoes and the harness. And then, you know, if we pay for the day pass, that's kind of a win-win for everybody. And we kind of expand access to climbing. So really we've, we've gone from this big mission that I had and and saying like, let's, let's amplify a a bigger story down to helping more people kind of on kind of a grassroots level. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Are there any recent or even in the past uh, challenges you've, you've had to overcome and, and how did you overcome that challenge of summiting any of these mountains and and what did you learn from overcoming that challenge?
1: Yeah, there's always challenges. You know, when I started this, I think it was 2000, I climbed the first four or seven summits in one year. And then I took some time off to fundraise and to um, and because of COVID here, so I took the last two years I wasn't able to climb. I think the first thing that I faced was just the uh, the access to kind of the travel opportunities. You know, I can't really travel to some of the countries that I've got if I didn't have a passport that properly identified and gendered me. So that became a thing. Before I even started this, I had to have proper documentation to even leave the country because really to travel into Tanzania or Russia with a passport that doesn't match my identity would probably mean violence upon a arrival. So that was, um, that's a barrier kind of, you know, kind of at a bigger level. Sometime early in the trip, I might've started this before I was super, well, I started at the right time, but I faced some violence, I think right in my own neighborhood. I was um, just trying to get out and uh, it was about three days before I went to um, Kilimanjaro. And I, I ran into a group of college kids who Decided that that was their night to confront somebody, and they realized I was trans. And before I knew it, I was being assaulted in my own neighborhood. So, um, you know, you're, that was right before I went to Tanzania too. So you're thinking, well, Tanzania has a 30 year prison sentence for somebody who's if they're if you're gay and five years if you're lesbian. They don't really talk about gender identity much in their law system, but I can't imagine it's going to be much better. Um, so, you know, I was facing violence in the street in my own neighborhood. And I'm thinking, well, now I'm going to travel halfway around the world alone okay. and, and climb this mountain. So that became you know, again, kind of a barrier that I faced right here at home to traveling outside the country. Um, Like I said, once I get to that country, I kind of face the local laws. So Tanzania, 30 years for giving a gay male, five years for being gay female, but I don't know how they would view me and and what resources I would have to help diplomatically if I were to find myself in a situation where I needed it. In Russia, same thing. You know, you're flying into Chechnya and the which are very close to Chechnya, not actually Chechnya proper, but that region, the Caucasus um, in Russia. And it's an area that's known for violence against their gay community. There's a lot of organizations that are trying to help gay men get out of the Chechnya region because there's so much violence towards, towards them. So again, not a lot of resources about being trans in that area, but I can't believe it would be good. And I know that flying the rainbow flag is against the law in Russia and it's punishable by 2 weeks in prison. So this goal isn't super easy and it's been kind of dangerous at certain points and I hope at some point you know we are able to kind of move forward as a society and as a world and kind of overcome some of these these problems that I think a lot of people have in in traveling like that.
0: Yeah, that's that's a global shift. How is this inequality out there? How And so I guess I guess what my next question would be would be is how do you have that conversation. Do you feel like you're identified with your passport? Do you have to have that conversation when you get there to say this is what I what I am doing and this is why I'm doing it because this is who I am, or have you just not even gone down that route for concern of your own safety?
1: Now there, you know, it's hard. It's stressful, and I had to have that conversation for the three or four days be- between when I got beat up in my own neighborhood and when. I was on my way to africa um, i had to have it for those three or four days and then i had to get on the plane for 20 hours for whatever it takes to get from here to there and have the conversation the whole time i was on the plane of course when i get off the plane and they've got a fingerprinting system to get into tanzania so i said oh sh- now i'm in trouble <laughs> They're gonna, i have my fingerprints from 10 years ago on there and now i'm going to do it again so you it's this constant like Figuring it out. Yeah. So, you know, you have to have the conversation. Is it worth the risk? Is the world ready for this right now? And am I putting myself in an undue situation? Ultimately, I don't think as a woman or as a trans person, I should have to have the conversation with myself of whether or not it should be safe to travel to a different place in the world where other people have an opportunity to travel to freely.
0: Right.
1: It's an unfortunate reality that as a woman and as a trans person, I'm not able to. (laughs) <laughs> Just be safe going anywhere, yep. anytime.
0: Yep, it's that added layer, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I can't imagine that's easy. I, I mean, it's, it's already obvious that it's not fair, right? <laughs> right? Which is why, like, we need to change things and be part of that change. So for me, like, when I sit down and hang out with people, like, it's really inspiring to hear people's stories, but it's also inspiring to hear the struggles and like the reality of everyday life and especially adventurous life. So uh, what's, can I ask you what your, your next big adventure is? I thought I heard something about Denali, but (laughs) maybe I, I could be wrong.
1: We might possibly have a trip to Denali on the calendar. Um, the <laughs> Tell next, us more. In the next few weeks. Um, yeah, I'll be heading to Alaska this this Denali season. Last year we were supposed to go, but COVID canceled all the Alaskan range permits. So this year I, I got another permit and uh, we're headed out there pretty soon. I don't want to say the exact date.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Hoping- who's, who's we? Do you, you have a team of climbers going out?
1: I was going to go with, I was trying to assemble a team a couple of years ago, and with all kind of the disruption and me just kind of wanting to, to move forward with this, I signed on with American Alpine Institute. Um, so they've got the logistics side of it, and um, awesome. I've just been training to be part of the team.
0: Awesome. What does training look like? So I, I, I want to know that. Like, how does someone say, well, shoot, I'm going to summit these epic peaks. What, does, what do you have to do to train?
1: I think the biggest thing with training for any sport is doing the sport itself or doing something as close to that sport as possible. So if you're biking, train by, if you're looking to do a bike race, train by biking. Um, If you're looking to run a marathon, train by running. And if you're looking to climb big mountains, put heavy things on your back and climb uphill as long and slow as you can. (laughs) Right.
0: All right. That's fair. That's fair. How how long have you been uh, training for this one? Um, Well, I guess technically
1: I started last year when I thought I had a permit for 2020. And have just been kind of going ever since. I took kind of that COVID mental health break, I think we all had, or that that turn to running we all took. I'd say you know once I kind of got over the shock and depression of that you know the the loss of that expedition last year, and kind of realizing what COVID was going to mean, um, I got you know I took a couple months to regather my energy, and I started training again at the end of last summer. So it'll be almost a year.
0: Cool! Wow, it's uh, COVID. I feel like it was this hurry up and wait kind of thing, you know, it's like life stood still and we were anxiously awaiting whatever we had planned to do last year and then nothing. And then all of a sudden, Oh, we could do it now. Like, let's do it. And we would crank and crank and crank, which is just like, whether it's healthy or not, I don't know, but, okay. <laughs> but I'm doing it. All right. We're going to do the fast question round. Are you ready?
1: Okay, all right. Yes. Spitfire,
0: Spitfire. First your most memorable climb and why?
1: Um, Tanzania, Kilimanjaro was my most memorable climb just because I had done it twice and had kind of the ability to kind of reflect on, um, you know, it, it first off is like the world's, you know, like big peak, you know, it's the world's um, bucket list peak, but it's also just that I had the, the chance to reflect on it from my former life and now. So it's, um, I, I just remember it being just such a, a cool experience of kind of part of my transition. Awesome.
0: Awesome. All right. Favorite after climb meal and beverage.
1: Oh, pizza! I am so into pizza.
0: <laughs> All um, the pizza.
1: I, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, veggie pizza and and definitely a beer. I you know I love going to the brewery afterwards. I think I'm just it's just such a basic answer. But, no, I love um, it.
0: It's good. You know,
1: I love just you know after the crag or after a hot day outside just. just being in a beer that's hard to beat
0: yeah no for sure awesome okay longest travel day either in route or after and like what what destination or where were you going where were you coming from but the longest travel day you've had
1: oh god i don't even know um (laughs) i think that you know i think to get to Russia was pretty bad. Um, to get down into the, you know, where where I had to climb in Russia was pretty rough. Um, the worst thing about it was I got there and realized my flight was delayed. And I got in at two o'clock in the morning. I was alone. Um, nobody in that part of Russia really spoke English, so. Um, there was some problems with my visa and there was a girl that sa- I sat next to on the plane that was nice enough to help me with translation because she had worked abroad and spoke English, but, um, she got me in and got me down to the taxi stand, but I was kind of just alone in, um, the minvode airport with just me basically at two o'clock in the morning and no place to go. Wow. So it turned into a night just outside the door at this, like rando Airport in Russia.
0: Wow! Oh my goodness! (laughs) I've never been to Russia, and I can only imagine what it's like to be a a, an English speaking person in the middle of the night alone.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just having gotten off a plane, sure, it was it was a pretty lonely experience. But
0: I figured it out. Yeah, yeah, and then you climbed, so it's like it was good. (laughs) And I got home, (laughs) and you got got home.
1: home. (laughs) Here I am in my house, getting
0: ready. Oh man, okay, um. Last one, favorite Colorado outdoor spot. You're in, you live in Colorado. What's your favorite spot to hit and why?
1: Oh God, I love rivers. I love the Arkansas River from like the central, the the Arkansas River Valley to me is just heaven on earth. It's the, you know, the big Colorado classic 14ers up high and uh, all the mountain biking just kind of on, you know, in the foothills around there. And then, um, being in a, on a, on a riverbank, you know, a sandy riverbank um, in the summer, and, you know, not being up in the mountains, but feeling those cool mountain breezes and seeing the rafters go by and the kayakers go by. I mean, you can't really beat, you know, Buna Vista or um, Salida or any place in the, really that, that Arkansas River Valley.
0: It's pretty spectacular down there, for sure. Awesome. <laughs> All right, so just a couple more questions. How did you get involved with Lady Alliance?
1: I have been working um, just on this visibility and trying to get the word out that trans women in the outdoors are women in the outdoors, and that we're here and you know we're kind of looking to you know find the same healthy spaces that we have outside. And I think Lady Alliance was doing a lot of that too. And Mammoth really, um, you know, I signed on as an ambassador to Mammoth with Mammoth, and they were they've been working with Lady Alliance and Lady Alliance. Um, uh, the three of us, I think, kind of came together and said, this is this is a great fit for all of us to work together. You know, I've been trying to help the Lady Alliance empower a, a greater number of women to get outside. And um, they've been kind of amplifying my story and giving me some space to um, tell different different stories of different women. So um,
0: yeah, it works. I- I think, you know, where, where my mind goes in the outdoor space, I've worked really hard as a mom to get my daughter outside. And I feel like I'm really excited to, to get outside with more women. But how, you know, is there another level? Like, is there something more that... Women can do to be allies. I
1: think courage is contagious, and I think that when you, it's a lot easier. I should never have to feel like I have to be brave, but the the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of people that are putting pressure on trans people right now to not be seen and not be heard. All of the laws kind of have to do with that. So I think for us, um, you know, I, I know as a trans parent um, of a nine year old, having parents that are my allies and just, you know, that that we work with that, that, you know, our kids hang out with is, is huge. You know, I, I hate putting the minimum level of expectation on people, but sometimes, you know, that's what, that's where I'm at, right? Like, I don't even know how to say it. If, if you're nice to somebody, when just because you need to be nice then or not need to be nice, but just because that's the right thing to do. And that's the right way to treat your, you know, teach your kids is to be nice and accepting. then I think again, that's contagious. So um, a lot of trans people, I think have, have a hard time being seen or, or being out. And I think knowing that you're in a safe space or um, having people that stand up for that space, because I'm sure that there's parents that, uh, you know, with, with our nine-year-old that say things that that aren't proper and I think that there's other parents that say hey you know she's one of the parents and she's got a kid and we're not going to take that out on the kid and we're not going to take it out on her she's part of this this community so I think that just being vocal when somebody says something or um, you know vocally standing up and saying that's a member of our community um, it goes a long way um, and, but to me, again, that's kind of the very minimum that you should do for somebody else that's in a position where somebody's trying to stigmatize or marginalize them. I don't, it's, it's, it's actually asking like the bare minimum, you know? So, um.
0: right. Do more, be better. Right. Yeah. Like, I think <laughs> on so many levels, that is so true on so many levels.
1: I think that there's a lot of organizations that are working towards, um, kind of helping trans people find their way outside. You know, you've got the Venture Out Project, um, you know, which is trans run and and serves a trans clientele. There's a lot of summer camps now that are working towards being affirmative. spaces to teach kids to get outdoors and I think slowly what we're going to see is, is more and more queer climbing um, initiatives and queer climbing groups within you know so in Colorado we have queer climbing groups um, you know and in a lot of states I think you're going to see more, um, more more of those organizations who are out holding either you know education days at the crag or um, kind of queer climbing nights at the local gym. So awesome! Yeah.
0: Anything else, listeners, should know about your incredible summit <laughs> series. <laughs> like what, what? Like what else is happening? What else is going on? Like after Denali, then what?
1: So, I think that, you know, we've got, um, if my board approves of the proposals, I think we've got at least enough um, funding to take on our two of the th- next three peaks. Um, so, I would anticipate maybe this winter we'll see a trans ascent of, of Vincent's Massive in Ar- Antarctica. And I have no history of a trans person climbing that mountain. So, I'll- been climbed by a couple thousand people. Yeah,
0: simple. awesome. How um, can folks um, follow the the journey?
1: They can check out Transcending, which is um, the word Transcending without the C. Transcending seven. Um, so the number seven after Transcending, or they can follow me, Aaron Send Seven on Instagram. I try to update and post as much as I can. The board of um, Transcending has a communications director that posts um, a little bit more frequently than I do. You know, I try to tell the story and I try to respect. Um, the fact that I don't always want to be visible. So, you know, follow along, don't expect a ton of content, but um, I'll tell you what's going on.
0: Cool, very cool. Anything else you want folks to know?
1: Get out there and enjoy some fresh air this summer. I hopefully, you know, we can all find a little mental health in the outdoors this summer.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think we need it. And I think, I hope we get it. (laughs) Awesome, well, I really appreciate you and I'm stoked on what you're doing. This is, this is awesome. And I'm excited to see what you are willing to share and what uh, Transcending 7 is willing to share. That's a wrap for this episode of Confluence and Connections brought to you by Elevation Outdoors and ElevationOutdoors.com. I want to say another huge thank you to Aaron. I had such a good time hanging out and best of luck on your Denali Summit attempt. I'm Ryan Scavo. You can find me on Instagram at ryeoutside. Stay tuned for our next episode. And until then, keep seeking those connections where the confluence flows. Thanks for listening.